Technological Disruption. Video killed the radio star. TikTok killed the YouTuber. Vaping killed the bong rip star. Technological disruption wasn't just dreamed up by annoying tech bros in Silicon Valley. Fortunes have been made and lost over advances in technology ever since the Stone Age gave way to bronze. And the movie industry has been especially prone to these upheavals. The silent movie star was put out of work by synchronized sound in the 1920s. TV came close to killing off the movie business altogether in the 1950s. Netflix shut down Blockbuster Video in the 2000s, and streaming has our local multiplexes teetering on the brink of yet another abyss. With technological disruption never far from the minds of producers and directors, it's no surprise that we have some classic films that tackle this topic. First, Gene Kelly is back and singing in the rain, a musical spoof of Hollywood's transition to sound from MGM in 1952. And then Charlie Chaplin, perhaps the greatest silent film star of them all, parodies the horrors of the industrial age with a silent movie made years after talking pictures became the standard with Modern Times in 1936. We are all getting ground up by the wheels of progress right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners. And we're back on Old Movies for Young Stoners, the podcast that pairs cannabis with classic and cult movies to enhance your trip through cinema history. I'm Bob Calhoun, author of Beer, Blood, and Cornmeal, my punk wrestling memoir, available from ECW Press and at your favorite online bookseller. Joining me, she is an actor and voiceover artist, appearing in Chippendale Rescue Rangers, now streaming on Disney+. Let's hear it for Felina Franklin. Hey guys, what's cracking? And he's an animator, director, and the co-founder of Six Point Harness Studios. You can see his work in Tignataro Drawn, now streaming on HBO Max. He is Greg Franklin. Hey. Corey Sklar is on a side with this week, and we're sure going to miss his take on these two movies. But first... Letterboxd, the movie review social media networking site, has dropped a new top 100 generated by an average of movies that their users have added to their personal top four on their profiles. And boy, do we here at Old Movies for Young Stoners have our work cut out for us, folks. Only two films from before 1970 have made it to the list, and those are 2001 and 12 Angry Men. 
what's up with 12 Angry Men? That one that one kind of caught me by surprise. Earlier lists, like the 2016 and 2018, had Vertigo and Casablanca and maybe a couple other kind of big, big classic movies, movies of the classic era, um, Hitchcock movies, Psycho maybe. But yeah, 12 Angry Men. Felina, is that just because you're the closest to high school? Is that a movie that kids are forced to watch in high school? No, um, but when I was in middle school, I uh, did a production of 12 Angry Men for my, it was like this like scene competition. We would do scenes from like classic movies and compete against other schools. And uh, I was in uh, 12 Angry Men. I was juror number three, the asshole. And um, yeah, very proud that Felina portrayed the Lee J. Cobb uh part i did a really good job too i was really good at uh, being the worst um <laughs> yeah um yeah and it was also really fun because we were all women you know mm-hmm. oh wow 12 angry women you know that Pretty that is much. that's you know that is a problem with the movie is it's even even at the time i think that there's no women jurors at all. You know, I think Perry no. Mason, you would sometimes see these kind of dowdy school marm types on the juries and stuff back then. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't oh, yeah. pass the Bechdel <laughs> test. Oh no. <laughs> God. It does. It does not at all. It's a sausage fest. It's, you know, <laughs> 12 angry sausage fests. It should be called. Yes. Um, but yeah, that one really caught me by surprise. And the only thing I could figure out, unless it was just got a lot of views on Netflix, maybe it was on Netflix for a while or mm-hmm. something. I, I've tried to figure out why that one, uh, instead of like Citizen Kane, Casablanca, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, yeah. Singing in the Rain. But yeah, uh, the list, I don't think the list is as terrible as it could be if you open up the link in the script here. Uh, I mean, there's some really terrible stuff. What's surprising is, except for Spider-Man movies, there's no MCU stuff. Like, none of the Avengers movies, none of that stuff made made it. La La Land number two. I, 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 <laughs> this is making me really glad we've done two MGM musicals in this in, now. Uh, after today, uh-huh. we'll have done two big musicals. We got to do more Busby Berkeley because I, I like... That was a movie I almost walked out on. And I was uh I was really disappointed in how how bad Ryan Gosling is at dancing. I was he's a Disney kid. I was expecting way more from him in that department and I just <laughs> thought the the dancing and the songs are are kind of bad. Um, I'm a La La Land hater. I know there's probably some critics I associate with that will hate me for this, but I, I just it's it's a movie it's a love letter to Hollywood and all that other BS. It's 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 just terrible. <laughs> watch, kids, watch Singing in the Rain, get really baked to Singing in the Rain, see yeah. how it's really done. <laughs> I La never La saw La Did you see it? I saw La La Land. I saw La La Land in theaters twice. Wow. Okay. So you're a defender of La La Land? Um, I wouldn't say defender. I wouldn't, I would not put it at number two on this list. Um, not at Mm all. Um, in fact, I'm, some of these movies I'm very surprised to see like Scott Pilgrim. I mean, Scott Pilgrim is great, but I don't know if it's number 26. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott Pilgrim's kind of funny because that came out in 2010 and I was staying in a hotel for Comic-Con with a bunch of execs from that studio. 
And it, mm. uh, and me being older, it like they were like t- saying, "Oh, we just crushed it today," and they were just like being your stereotypical <laughs> studio execs, oh and they were God. like tittering about Sylvester Stallone and the Expendables being there. Like, well, what's he doing here? Well, that's terrible. He should retire. And so, of course, that caused me to root for the Expendables to crush Scott Pilgrim, which it did. <laughs> but Scott Pilgrim being a, a far better film, of course, it's surfacing now, which I'm okay with. I want it because those producers have already like had to eat crow and be hang their heads in sorrow mm-hmm. for, you know, and, you know, and wear sackcloth and stuff and may have even yeah. lost their jobs over it. So that's fine. I'm fine with that, but it's, I'm also fine with the movie finding its audience now because well in a way you know that's that's the thing about comic-con is that at least scott pilgrim is a comic book we've all been to comic-con we've seen like i think the last time i went to comic-con i saw a gigantic blow-up poster that was you know 15 feet tall of the television personality john taffer who is the host of bar rescue on the spike network and I'm like, why the fuck is he sitting there when I should be looking at Iron Man or something? I'm looking at this trout-faced lunatic who rescues bars. Like, I don't understand why he's at Comic-Con. So Stallone, I can, you know, he's he's a little bit better than John Tafford, but I can kind of understand. The, this is something we've talked about before. Yeah. Like, why is there... It's just Hollywood now, you know? It's not Comic-Con. Well, well Dad... Dad, you cannot forget also the last time you went to Comic-Con, you got weed from Andre 3000. I did. That is a oh. story maybe for another day, but... Maybe, but it's I, really I, good. I was, I was put in the awkward position of having to accept free weed from one of my favorite rappers in front of my daughter. It was! It in was front of my daughter. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were at Comic-Con and we were at one of those uh, outdoor, you know, uh, restaurants in the gas lamp area. And Andre 3000 was sitting directly across from me and everybody came up and like tried to get a picture with him while Felina and I photobombed, ruined every single picture by like making stupid faces over (laughs) Andre's shoulder. (laughs) And then we got on Instagram the next day and saw ourselves all over the place. And it was really funny, but um, the set, the staff of the of the of the the restaurant had to kind of clear these people out, you know, every once in a while when people would get up to Andre three thousand and say like, "Oh, dude, I love you. I have a SoundCloud here. Check out my stuff." And you know, the the bouncers had to keep shuffling these people along, which is really nice. And so he tried to give them a bag of weed as a tip. And they were all very professional and said, ah, man, I'm working. I couldn't possibly accept that. So he tried to give this bag of weed to like three different employees and no no takers. So he finally turned around and gave it to me. And uh, I I hummed and, you know, I thought about it for a second, but there was really no, there was really no uh, uh, choice in the matter. I had to accept the weed. And and then I think at the end of it, I, I was talking to Flynn and I was like, pumped right like i was so excited and i was telling fully and i'm like see all those people who went up to him and tried to ingratiate themselves to andre 3000 none of them got any weed so you what what you do is you're cool you hang back 
and you're nice and she said and see what happens and she's like yeah you get free weed from a celebrity great that's a great lesson dad <laughs> and i never forgot it and, I and never now you forgot it and now you're on this this podcast and, so and now and also i got offered weed from tess holiday who's a celebrity oh. as well so you're, there you, know, you go we're there just go. getting weed from celebs everywhere yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys, you guys look like you appreciate weed. The Franklin family has such a <laughs> long tradition of weed oh, and yes. getting weed from from famous people and you know, oh, at yes. least locally famous people. Yeah, it's in my veins. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> you, you're bleeding green here. So <laughs> back to Letterboxd here. Um, yes. Yeah, it's not yes. as terrible a list. There's a lot of Kubrick, but I almost wonder. I know you're not a fan of Doctor Strangelove, but it's like I almost want to see mm. Doctor Strangelove on here, especially since we're kind of. I'm surprised it's not. Strangelove. It should be on there. Well, it I mean, the Shining, there. the Shining. Yeah. Well, that's uh, Clockwork Orange. 2001 is, you know, one of the two, um, I think is full metal jacket on here too. I'm not sure. I don't think it is a star Wars at 78. The first star Wars Lebowski at that's, 77. That's wild. That star Wars is so low. Yeah. But so people low. are, you know, I think that people like, uh, people are kind of tired of star Wars or, or there is one of the prequels on here somewhere, which might even be higher than the first one, but you got to remember most people are seeing, the special edition Star Wars, which adds like, which which just kind of ruins the movie because it adds adds minutes to uh, it to take away from its uh, verve, its its audacity, its its charm. Yeah, well, it's just moves. the The original version moves, and the newer one is bogged down a bit. There's mm -hmm. just way too much on Tatooine. Which uh, Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith is number ninety, 90. topped by Shutter Island. I, I mean, there's a huge <laughs> recency bias on here, but you know, yeah. Old Boy is on here. Parasite is pretty high. There's some Wong Kar Wai movies on here. So, I mean, right. it's not, I, I don't want to just rant about the Joker being in the top 100 ahead of modern times and Bride of Frankenstein <laughs> and, and uh, Fellini yeah. eight and a half and uh, La Strada. Oh, eight and a half isn't on here. No, none of that stuff is on here. There's no Man. Godard. There's no John Ford. There's no Howard Hawks. Sorry, guys. That's sad. There's no Agnes Varda. You know, it's pretty. It's it's what? even though it's newer, it's still a real sausage fest. I mean, uh, yeah, that's you know, true. Uh, a little bit of Greta Gerwig is really going a long way here. On this list. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ida Lupino. She's really doing well. Ida Lupino is pretty obscure, but uh, Greta's doing the heavy lifting for her entire gender for half. For 51% yeah. of the world's population, Greta carries a, a heavy load on this list with, like, Interstellar, number one. Is Are there any Spike Lee films on the list? No. Is Do uh, the Right Thing you know, on the list? Here's my theory, and Corey, you can feel free to cut this out later or not. I don't think a lot of black people are on, are on Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Be because, I, you know, you Black Panther is so important yeah. to the African-American community or just the African community um, that you that if there were African Americans on here in, in big enough numbers that Black Panther would that would be, on this that list would be up. it would be yeah like definitely ahead of uh, a lot mm -hmm. of these kinds of 
Revenge of the Sith and and uh, just some of these other lesser genre films. That's so, true. They sh- we should call it. They should change the name to Whiter Box. Yeah, <laughs> like Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> you know, there's no way if oh, there's fuck a, Jojo Rabbit. Jo- I hate Ra- that movie. Do, does Jojo Rabbit the you know get on here? The Joker probably gets on here because people see it as an important movie. Thank God. Uh, I'm gonna say the Joker at ninety six. You know, this ripoff of Taxi Driver or homage or whatever is way below Taxi Driver. Like, that would be pretty galling. Taxi Driver's at 33. Like, if if the Joker was 33 and Taxi Driver was (laughs) 96, I would be apoplectic right now. Yeah, true. Kids, That's true. You know, at least watch some goddamn David Cronenberg movies or something. Like so, that. so we have Shutter Island on the list. We have Taxi Driver on the list, but that's that's a far that's a far gulf, you know, to me. Like, but in Scorsese films, well, are there any other Scorsese? I'm sure. I'm mean, Goodfellas is on the list. I'm sure, but Goodfellas is um, on the list, and Wolf of Wall Street is way up there. Wolf of Wall Street's whoa. pretty high. Yeah, or maybe whoa. it isn't. Maybe it's. Uh, it's like mid, it's uh, actually but... okay here. Fuck this list. Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> is one behind the Joker. The Joker's ahead of Wolf of Wall Street. I'm, I'm fucking, wow. I'm fucking sorry. I'm sorry, folks. And then right behind it is Ratatouille. Yeah. <laughs> Ratatouille should be Ratatouille? higher. Ratatouille should be higher. Bob doesn't like Ratatouille. He, the the concept of rats in a kitchen grosses him out. <gasps> yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just can't really get. I I can't. It's just a weird thing that rubs me the wrong way. I don't have like a lot of things that gross me out in this kind of way like that. But that's he's just, a chef, Bob. I know, and I know he goes through the dishwasher or whatever. I know they explain it. <laughs> Okay, guys, look, I'll I'll try to watch. Uh, I have Disney Plus. I'll try to watch it again. Okay, I know it's the greatest oh, film ever made. It's it's pro- I think it's the best movie that those guys made. You look, look. I didn't have kids. Okay, and one <laughs> of the perks of not having kids is not seeing Pixar movies. Yeah, well, a lot of grown-ups see Pixar movies too. Yeah, oh they God. do, but there's a lot of grown-ups that have to because when you talk to people yeah. at, like when you work at an office with normal people, mm-hmm. like that's all they see. Like, hey, mm-hmm. have you seen have you have you seen Ladybird? Or I'm looking at the list to remember like new oh, yeah. movies that normal people would see. Have you seen Wow, that La La Land was a load of shit. What did you think of it? Oh, I only see Pixar movies because the kids, you know, the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've probably seized on the not having yeah. not see like all of a sudden, like, I don't have to see these things. I'm not going to. Well, yeah, and and you have to realize the Pixar things are a treat because usually it's like the minions. Oh you yeah, know. fuck yeah. So oh, God. you know, like, like that's why Pixar is held in such high regard because they do make thoughtful movies. I mean, when I end up watching them, like even the one that hates fat people about the future and the robot Wall-E, that's that's what it is, cool. right? Yeah. I, I end up getting engrossed in them. They they have that Spielberg like quality that just like mm-hmm. even if you think it's trite or something, you are still engrossed by it and. You know, I think Spielberg isn't really showing up really big on this list, which is surprising now that I think about it. Well, Raiders has got to be on there. I, I don't know if it is. You know, younger people aren't as taken with Raiders as we are, even though I think it's the oh. best Spielberg. I think it's better than the Star Wars. I think it's the tops of oh, those yeah. movies. 
But uh, yeah, Raiders. I I'm not, et I, et has I mean, kind of fallen by the wayside over the years. Like like that was like yeah. a very yeah. In, in 1982, it was the biggest thing of all time, and then it just oh Jurassic Park is on here, which is maybe Jaws is in here somewhere, but I'm not seeing it. I you don't know, think I didn't see Jaws here. The Lighthouse is in here, which is which is a favorite of mine, just because when I saw it in San Leandro, which what what. What the lighthouse, it? which is not Spielberg. Oh yeah, the because, lighthouse. Because when I <laughs> when I when I saw the lighthouse in San Leandro, the movie's over, the credits are rolling, and a guy stood up and he stands up and he says, "That movie was bullshit," and walks out of the theater. <laughs> but he stayed through the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Felina was not a fan. I did this. I did the exact same thing. Oh, I, I, I loved looking at. I loved that it was in four to three aspect ratio, and I loved the the crags yeah. of Willem Dafoe's face and the "Tell me you like me, lobster." I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, to, I would have liked it better in a theater. I think you know, like that. The the, the commitment of a theater experience would have would have enhanced the movie a lot for me. But I love that director. Uh, I, I think everything that that Robert Eggers makes is kind of made for me in a in a in a in a in an overly serious way, which I appreciate. It, it's so serious it makes me laugh. See, I didn't really think it was was all serious. I thought it was a combination of a Laurel yeah. and Hardy comedy with H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> because there's oh, yeah. all this kind of Laurel and Hardy. If Laurel and Hardy were in a lighthouse, you know, it'd be the same as half of that movie. Just them wow. fucking up stuff. Yeah. But then there's mm-hmm. all this, uh, you know, fucking the fish lady, the mermaid. <laughs> and all this, like, eldritch creeping horror. Yeah. Like, So if H.P. Lovecraft wrote a Laurel and Hardy short, that's what it would be. The lighthouse. That's amazing. Okay, let's wrap up this... Uh, Hey, hey, folks, just watch a few movies from before 1970, you know, put them in your top four on Letterboxd, please. Just find what you like. You don't have to like Citizen Kane and the old war horses, you know. There's a lot of weird stuff out there. Listen listen to our back catalog. Listen to previous episodes. That's that's my take. Anybody else have anything else on this? Um, I, I mean, listen, vintage technically now is 15 years or older. Yes, that's what it qualifies as vintage. So a lot of Y2K is vintage. So what I'm saying, I mean, technically old movies could be from before, from like 80s, 90s, early 2000s. Technically, that's all I'm saying. Well, I'm trying hard not to just hate on the list because it is like, yeah, we've set the we've set the time back fifty. You know, it's a yeah, it's almost a sixty year stamp on some of this stuff. And we are talking about movies that are uh, over a hundred years old and almost a hundred years old. So I'm trying to to not be ageist towards young people. Which, by the way, young people take way more ageist shit than old people. Old people like you have seventy year old, eighty year old senators who've had every advantage. In it, that this country can give them talking about, well, we are not going to do ageism and like, you know, we're, we're the victims of ageist attacks. Biden did it. Bernie Sanders has done it. You hear Diane Feinstein's people doing it, but young people can't even be president until they're 35. So what kind of ageist bullshit is that? Nobody calls ageism on that. Felina should be president. I right should now. be president. I should be president. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I would do a really good job. This is actually my campaign now. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Felina Franklin. 
I think I will do a really good job. I'm Felina Franklin, and I approve this message. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's great. Old Movies for Young Stoners has a YouTube channel. Whoa. You've got to be shitting me. Yes, we've got a YouTube channel where each episode is enhanced by stock footage selected by an incredible algorithm created by mathematical geniuses. Or maybe it's just Bob slumped over a cheap-ass video editor. Who's to say? But each episode is there along with previews and other video features. So search Old Movies for Young Stoners on YouTube and subscribe today. Hold it, Dexter! Well, Mr. Simpson, we're really rolling. Yeah, well, you can stop rolling at once. Huh? Don, Lena. All right, everybody, save it! Save it? Tell them to go home. We're shutting down for a few weeks. What? Well, don't just stand there. Tell them. Everybody go home until further notice. What is this? Yeah, what's the matter, R.F.? The jazz singer. That's what's the matter, the jazz singer. Oh, my darling little mammy. Now, little mammy. My little baby. No, no, this is no joke, Cosmo. It's a sensation. The public is screaming for more. More what? Talking pictures. Talking pictures. Oh, it's just a freak. Yeah, what a freak. We should have such a freak at this studio. I told you talking pictures were a menace, but no one would listen to me. Don, we're going to put our best feet forward. We're going to make the dueling cavalier into a talking picture. In 1927, the silent film era was brought to an abrupt end by Al Jolson and Blackface crooning Mammy when the jazz singer brought sound to motion pictures. In 1952, Gene Kelly teamed with co-director Stanley Donnan and producer Arthur Freed to poke fun at Hollywood's transition to talkies with this technicolor musical delight, all produced while television was bringing a similar, if slower, end to the studio system that made Kelly a star. Co-starring Donald O'Connor as a wise-cracking songwriter and introducing Princess Leia's mom, Debbie Reynolds, as Kelly's love interest. Also featuring Gene Hagen doing the comedic heavy lifting in the thankless role of the villainous Lena Lamont, a diva with a voice for silent pictures. Plus, an early appearance by EGOT winner, that's Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony, Rita Moreno, and Sid Charisse putting a bit of sizzle in the sensual ballet sequence. From MGM at the height of its powers and the beginning of its decline, this is singing in the rain. Now, when I booked Gene Kelly and On the Town for episode 10, you know, I started to have second thoughts. I even tried to replace it with a pirate at one point, but everybody loved it. And now we have Singing in the Rain, which a lot of people consider to be his best film, if not the best Hollywood musical. So, uh, Felina, assuming that you're new to this, or you're at least newer than Greg and I are to it, uh, what did you think? How did, what, what's your take on Singing in the Rain? Okay. Uh, I, <laughs> I, was, I was going into Singing in the Rain a little bit uh, jaded. I will say I have seen it multiple times from like various acting classes i've seen it in school a couple of times and just like clips but i you know what i was pleasantly surprised but i have to tell you about my experience watching the mo movie first so before i watched singing in the rain my partner begged me literally begged me to watch robots from 2005 and if you Ugh. don't remember <laughs> if you don't remember gross that, <laughs> I took you I took you to that in 2005. You did? Yes. Oh my god. I I thought I'd seen it before. I really did. 
But like, I did not remember it in the slightest. It was, oh my God. It was so crazy. I mean, stoned, it was pretty funny. Stoned, it was pretty, Mm. pretty good. (laughs) And it's like this anti-capitalist piece that has literally one joke about singing in the rain. And it's like, I'm singing in the oil. Yeah, it's so bad. (laughs) But it's, it's bad, but it's good, you know? Anyway, so I oh, okay. Just a second. What kind of weed did you smoke with robots? <laughs> with robots, <laughs> I, I I smoked the same weed that I smoked with um with singing in the rain. Okay, let's say just... let's save it for later. Then I just let's wanted to be save sure. it for later. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I watched robots first, and then um so it was a double feature, and I watched singing in the rain, and I was delighted every single second uh, i was like my eyes were glued to the screen i was so i was so into it because by the time that robots was over i was like i was kind of pumped for singing in the rain i was like that was shit now maybe this will be amazing and it was it really was and it's like there is no question on why this is a classic not a single question. I mean, all of the all of the songs are good. And listen, I may be biased because I'm a theater kid, but I love musicals and I loved this. I love this so much. Make Em Laugh is also like one of the best like physical comedy pieces ever performed. I I think it's so, it's just so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I have nothing but good things to say. And Gene mm-hmm. Hagen as Lena Lamont is also just chef's kiss. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, I was fully entranced and it was really cool because Sage had never seen it before and mm. I was like showing I was like, "Here, watch this. It's it's amazing." Yeah. I don't know. I had a great time. I have nothing but good things to say. I mean, you know, you, teeing it up with robots. I mean, I mean, robots will make La La Land look like a masterpiece. You know, like, come on. <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. You watch the best, one of the best, you know, uh, movies afterwards. You're really teeing it up. It was, I think it was a perfect double feature. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you really love Singing uh, in the rain. You know what's funny yeah. to me though is that singing in the rain is almost brought down. Like you are a you are a theater kid, a drama kid, and that's why you were overexposed to singing in the rain in a way that mm-hmm. maybe most kids who didn't didn't go into those programs and in those classes wouldn't be. So that almost brings it down because it becomes like Twelve Angry Men or something. You know, it's something you had to watch <laughs> in school. Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. I like I had to watch mm-hmm. it in school, so I was like not into it but then watching the full thing like i think that if you are a theater kid and you're tired of singing in the rain smoke some weed watch something shitty and then watch watch singing in the rain you will love it that's hilarious yeah you know we watched on the town and sinatra and jules munchen they they hang with Kelly enough, you know, to, you know, they, they get the moves down, but it's definitely like there's that dance sequence later where it's like a fake Gene Kelly 
or I mean a fake Frank Sinatra and Jules Munchen because in the ballet they just can't keep up with him. But Singing in the Rain has Donald Donald O'Connor who who can totally at least in those kind of hoofing dancing like once you get to the ballet and stuff they have to bring in Sid Charisse because you know, there's no way the Debbie Reynolds and and even Donald O'Connor could really hang with that. They just don't have those ballet skills. You know, uh, Debbie Reynolds had a two month crash course with Gene Kelly before this. She had never Amazing. danced on film before, but she really hangs with them well too. But it is some of those uh, dance numbers with uh, Kelly and O'Connor and, and with uh, and, and with Debbie Reynolds too. But it's it's has a different gear that on the t- than on the town has just because Donald O'Connor is so good. It's it the the, the, the when it's just the three of them. That's the best. That's the best part of the movie to me. Like when the three of them are dancing or on the couch, and they're all so great. You don't even know where to look. You know, like it's just they're they're all so fucking good. I have to say, like the the one of the the only real weak part of the movie to me is the most famous part where he's singing in the rain. Like that, that I know it needs the movie needs to take a break and stuff, and he's kind of being Gene Kelly in a mellow mood. You know, just singing in the rain and feeling ecstatic. But I don't know, you know, that like I watched it last night and I was like, this is the part I almost kind of want to fast forward to get to the high energy shit, you know, and the really colorful shit. I, I, I don't know enough about musicals, you know, and and really like my best um, the, 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 the move, musical that I know best is a movie called That's Dancing which is a compilation of musicals made by the producers of the That's Entertainment um, co- compilation movies uh, that were made like in the late 70s, I guess. And that that's dan- these movies always end up getting shown on TCM on New Year's uh, Eve. For yeah, some they do, they do. And, They're really and, easy and, to, drink, yeah, yeah. to drink champagne cocktails with and get bombed and just watch them and you don't have to follow a plot. Yeah, and That's Dancing is really focused on the musicals Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know this world, but when I see some of these clips, like the visuals are just jaw dropping. And I think singing in the rain has a lot of that. Uh, my, uh, probably some of my favorite parts are also those musical esque montages. Like there's this weird shot with all the green screen legs crossing and like just, just shit that is like, ah, it's like amazing. Of course the verisimilitude isn't quite there because is this let me ask you this Bob in historical context is this one of the first almost it's like a nostalgia movie cuz it comes out like 15 to 20 years before the time period that they're kind of referencing right or after you know the time yeah. that they're 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 referencing so this is kind of like a precursor of like 1970s happy days uh, you know happening in the 50s or american graffiti you know, like it's kind of like that 20 year nostalgia thing where the people who are who are the fan base of this movie, the people who are making this movie really came of age during the time period that they're celebrating. So there's this nostalgia, you know, there. And and yet at the same time, I don't feel like Singing in the Rain really takes any um, pains to like recreate that era in any way because it's so color and it's so like... The production value is just so much higher than 
a lot of those, you know, gold diggers of 1933, you know, those kind of like black and white musicals, you know, that 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 came out at that time. Yeah, it's very 50s Technicolor. It's definitely a movie yeah. of its time, which they all are. But some movies of nostalgia has always been a part of the picture business uh, because you have all those movies about the gay 90s. You know, um, mm. what? what's the movie? The Strawberry Blonde with James Cagney and Rita Hayworth. It's all there. I mean, you know, Gentleman Jim with uh, Errol Flynn about Jim Corbett, the boxer. It's all this, you know, and you see cartoon spoofs, especially the Warner Brothers mm. ones, like with Cagney and Errol Flynn and and Betty Davis and stuff. You see the cartoon spoofs, yeah. the Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Bugs Bunny's got like a derby hat on and he's he's got yeah. that collar, the, the those really stiff collars they wore in 1895. Like, or like the, 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 the fur coat coats with the ukulele the, the yeah that kind of lame like college boy thing. the tens the, the the ones and the tens <laughs> and the 1890s yeah, yeah. so there's always been movies about that or set i mean you know westerns are really you know nostalgia pieces because yeah, if you think right. of if you think of westerns in the 20s or 30s they're these action pop boilers but people like there are people seeing those movies who were alive and saw the end of the West, like the Wild Bunch kind of years. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's always yeah, been a part right. of it. So now we're in 2005's nostalgia, and you see the comeback of, like, <laughs> you see the comebacks of the reality stars, like uh, Paris Hilton has a media presence again, because a lot and of people robots. grew up watching her show, Robots. <laughs> um, people are really concerned with Avril Lavigne right now in a way I never thought they would be That's again. true. Yeah, I think that, well, I, I know that there was this thing that people thought that she was replaced by a... Uh, robots? That was, no, not by a robot. <laughs> <laughs> uh she was replaced by like a a different singer or something like one of her wow. backup singers like looked just like her or something it was like this whole conspiracy theory wow well yeah. speaking of speaking of replacing singers back to singing in the rain yes now so you have this this woman who's got this amazing voice who who should have you know in that in the in the reality of singing in the rain she should have just gone and become the new olive oil or something you know like this that's that she would have she would have been very employable the, that 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 character but it got me thinking about this movie that I would love to do on this show one day which is one of my favorite movies that kind of went through a similar you know uh, it was being produced around the same time as the, the singing in the rain is set which is uh, Blackmail by Alfred Hitchcock, which is a fascinating movie because the lead act, they were going to make it as a silent film. Hitchcock had made several silent films, but they were, they just decided mid-production to make it sound. And the lead actress, uh, Anna Andra, I believe is her name, had this way too thick of a Czechoslovakian accent. She was couldn't be understood. And so they had another actress, Joan Barry, literally stand next to her directly off screen and recite her lines as Anna tried to lip sync. And it is one of those things where you probably would never notice if you watch the film, but 
if you know that's happening, you can't take your eyes away from it. Um, it doesn't it doesn't really hurt the film for me. I find it just like a fascinating wrinkle. It's it's an amazing movie, and it's one where the sound is actually very innovative. But back to Singing in the Rain, the song, though, I mean, I, I got to disagree with you on that because I just love that mm. number. I love uh, I love the way the light catches the, the puddle water, the water that Kelly is splashing around in, the way he's stomping in time to it. Um, just the way it's lit that, that really, I'm so glad they didn't make this movie in CinemaScope because the one thing you lose mm. in widescreen formats that you have in four to three and that, that kind of T old school TV shaped aspect ratio, the more it's still a rectangle, but it's much more square is you get faces and that's what you lose when you have like even watching when you watch like Stephen Colbert or something. You kind of want to uh -huh. do this, you know, I'm putting my hands out, like making the frame because <laughs> right. you have this lone figure in the middle of, with all this just crap in the background, just like he's on a mm -hmm. stage and the, the stage is taking up more room than him. Where when you watch an old Johnny Carson, it's like Johnny Carson doing the monologue from like the chest up. That's all you see is him. Uh, yeah. And that one shot, the shot that, um, that Kubrick cuts into the rape scenes in uh, in Clockwork Orange, you know, this shot of Gene Kelly's face and it zooms in on his face and the light catches it just right. I, I just think that scene, the, the song is good. The I just think that scene's a, a wonderful scene and a wonderful showcase of, of Kelly's talent and also uh, Stanley Donnan and Kelly's uh, technical talent behind the camera and, and everybody yeah. at MGM, just everything's going on all cylinders there. I agree. I feel like Singing in the Rain is like one of the best. I It's so good. I don't understand how you would want to fast forward it. If, if anything, one of the <laughs> numbers that I would want to fast forward is the song where they're in the dialect room and they're just oh, right. causing chaos. Like that's that's the only yeah. one where I'm like, I yeah, there's it's and even, you whatever. know, make him laugh. I get it. I get it. Like, like it's, it's iconic. I just felt like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just seen it out of context too many times, you know, and that make them laugh segment, if nothing else really showed you why, um, the Hollywood workers needed to unionize because they had these maniacs destroying their sets as, and creating unsafe work conditions <laughs> as they were trying to just do their fucking jobs and, uh, you know, you've got this maniac, like, jumping through walls, you know. That's my dream. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised in doing research for this, too, is that Singing in the Rain, I mean, it did okay. It did fine, but it wasn't a huge hit. And people in 1952 mm. considered it, like, more, you know, it's kind of like Scott Pilgrim. It picked up its audience later, and they would re-release right. movies then because home video is still decades away and it, it did what better on its re-releases, but people right. compared it to an American in Paris, which mm. might not hold up as well today, but that was at that time, the Zenith of the Gene Kelly musical. And it had, uh, mm -hmm. Minnelli directing it. Uh, Liza's dad directed that yeah. movie, Vincent Minnelli. And the ballet scene in, in American in Paris, like the whole rest of the movies, just this, it's, it's, it's just kind of corny or it's even have you seen it felina have you seen that oh, one no i haven't but, you haven't seen american in paris you should see it 
It's yeah. good. It's the cute. ballet sequence is amazing. The ballet sequence in Singing in the Rain is amazing, but I don't know. It's it's. I mean the the thing in Singing so in the Rain. That was Sid Charisse. Yes, that was that's, Sid Charisse. That's Sid I, I was I was wondering about that because she looks so different in that in that film. We we had just watched uh, Party Girl on uh, on the Criterion a few weeks ago, so it was. I don't know. I had that kind of image of her in my mind. She's incredible. You know, because of that name, you think she's some foreign ex- European exotic person, but she's from Texas like Debbie Reynolds. So, you know, De- <laughs> Debbie was was happy yeah. that she took she uh, she had the main event spot and Debbie didn't have to do it because she was she was pretty ra- yeah. she was run pretty ragged by by the whole experience. I mean, she was a trooper and she's she was half insane. If you've ever watched interviews oh, with yeah. Debbie Reynolds, um, you know, Carrie Fisher's mom, the Princess Leia's mom thing. Uh, they both died mm-hmm. within a week of each other. They were they were pretty uh, codependent, I think, you know, to toss out mm-hmm. uh, psychiatric uh, evaluations. Another thing I, I want to talk about with Singing in the Rain is we we have like Mr. Freedom in our last episode. It's a biting satire, a dark satire. But Singing yeah. in the Rain is like a bright satire. It's a jolly satire. We don't really talk as much. It's still a satire. But mm. it's not a it's not like I said, it's not like a dark satire the way Mr. Freedom are. We've probably mm-hmm. done other movies that would classify, you know, we do, you always talk about the dark satires. We don't talk about the the jolly satires, the merry satires. Well, yeah, I mean it's a satire of I guess, you know, Hollywood or whatever. It's kind of pointing pointing a, a, a lens back at itself in a way in a way, right? I mean it's um the studio head is portrayed as far too flattering as a human, uh, you know, like, oh, I would never dream of crushing this poor girl's dreams in order to make a fucking ass load of money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's, it's funny because he was uh, Debbie Reynolds was kind of forced on the production just because I think Louis B. Mayer thought she was hot. She had just won a beauty contest. She was 18. Who isn't yeah. hot at 18, by the way? But um, yeah, it's like, oh, she's the next big thing. And Gene Kelly's like, can't we have Sid Charisse or somebody? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but she was great. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't. They, he was absolutely right. He was absolutely he, right. He was, but maybe for all the wrong reasons. I mean, thank God for this movie and for her that she she did have that talent. And I don't know. You know, yeah. we could probably find a lot of movies that nobody remembers where. Oh yeah, she's great. Uh, you know, <laughs> she's the next big thing. And then yeah, you never hear. This is the time or... they hit with that. That algorithm right. hit this time. <laughs> The awesome. Louis B. Mayer is leching on young girls in Burbank algorithm worked this time. Yeah, they didn't really. I guess that's what keeps it as as a sunny satire. The only character that's treated with any kind of um, acid is the Betty Boop voiced uh, villainess. Yeah, um, who, uh, Lamont. You know, I mean, she's she she's kind of um, the the villain of the piece in a, in a in a way, and she is you know humiliated in a way that makes no financial sense. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not a good business move to 
to to to do what they do in this movie. She's the collateral damage, and I I don't know. Yeah. I think I've seen the movie, maybe seen the movie too many times now because I'm at the point of feeling bad for her because the Hollywood yes. studio creates this whole reality for her where her and Gene Kelly are are a couple, and she right. believes it and goes along with it a little too much and. Gene Kelly, I mean, he has the right to rebel against that uh, and not marry this person he doesn't like. <laughs> but, you know, I feel bad for her because she's been led as, you know, that magnanimous studio boss. It's it's really his fault that this poor woman has become delusional yeah. in this way. <laughs> I know, right. It, it, people do still get chewed up and spit out by this movie, even despite their kind heart toward Debbie Reynolds. yeah. And what's up with the goth lady in the beginning? That one star who I guess is like oh. supposed to be, uh, yeah, fully the goth Barra. lady. I loved her. I loved her so much. She was. It was that Theodora. She's a parody of of the vamp. Yeah, or or Garbo, maybe Garbo yeah. a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. whoever she is, she's iconic, and I love her. I think she's great. I. T- you can't you can't ask me about this movie and not me say I can't not say good things about this movie. I'm sorry. You're not going to That spiderweb dress though. Oh my god. I th- <laughs> literally Okay, all of the outfits in this are iconic. I also <laughs> Lena Lavant's wardrobe. Oh my god. I love that. Jean Hagen. Yeah, she you know, we're so distracted by Debbie Reynolds, it being her film introduction, and of course Gene Kelly and Donald O'Connor and all the big dancing that I think uh, Gene Hagen, I mean, when people in the movie, like interviews with Gene Kelly and, and Debbie Reynolds, they definitely name check her a lot. Yeah, she she's amazing in it. She really does a lot of the heavy lifting in this movie. She should have won an Oscar for it, really. Yeah. Yeah, she really totally. should. Okay, so what weed, Felina, did you smoke with this and robots? Okay, I smoked black cherry punch. Uh, it is a hybrid. Uh, yeah, and it was really good. Very subtle at first, but then it's like, it, it's like, oh, I'm starting to feel a little buzzy, and then it hits you, and it's like, oh, shit, I have rocks all over me. Covered in. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, it's really it's 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 a heavy hitter, but it's like you're smoking, and it's like I don't know. I feel a little high. I don't know what to do. If you feel a little high in like twenty in like a minute, you're gonna be like, oh shit, I'm really high. Mm. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a fun one. I recommend. I do like. I loved the hybrid with uh, with singing in the rain and robots. Uh, I, I got a hold of an old favorite of mine that I hadn't had in quite a while, which is the Jack Herrera uh, strain, which I used to get all the time back in the day when uh, they started coming out with the dispensaries back in L.A. And you could order by the kind of weed. You didn't you weren't just at the mercy of whatever your guy had. Um, so Jack Herrera, it is, it's a hybrid. It's a fairly high THC. There is no CBD, uh, in it whatsoever. Yeah. It's just a basic stony hybrid that is probably similar to what you had Felina. And, uh, it's great. It's great. It's like, it keeps you, it's a real solid mix of, of both, uh, both worlds there. So your mind is lively, but you are not budging an inch. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for the TikTok report with 
Felina Franklin. So TikTok absolutely knows about Singing of the Rain. I There is a plethora of videos, uh, clips, uh, people talking about Singing of the Rain, and people love it. Um, lots of people talking about Debbie Reynolds and what she had to go through making the movie. Yeah, people are saying, like, one of my favorite films, Unforgettable. Yeah. The guys all just full of delight as they pull open the curtain is the best part for me. Like, that's our girl, and she deserves to shine, damn it, says someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wild Hearted Forest says, fun fact, that's actually the actress who plays Lena's voice. Debbie is the one dubbed Heart. What? Uh, that's what somebody said. That's what Wild Hearted Forest said. Um, I don't know if that's true. Well, just no. let Wild Hearted Forests, you know, think whatever they think. You know? I guess. Uh, I mean, that's just. Why ruin nature. it for them? Yeah, no, just. And I mean, that that has 15 replies and a bunch of likes. I have not. <laughs> oh, the replies are probably aren't are like you're full of shit. You know? Yeah, I know. They're probably. <laughs> The movie was very dance and song heavy. She was not a trained dancer, and Gene Kelly was impatient with her. She was hospitalized for exhaustion. Apparent, uh, talking about Debbie Reynolds, apparently. That's wild. It was, wor- it was worth it. And then someone says, I only know this reference because of Glee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Cool. There's also, like, lots of guys who are like dressed up in tuxedos trying to be gene kelly and (laughs) i am so glad that still exists i'm so glad that you know i mean you know what if there's a wave of like anti like anti-cosplay cosplay where it's like we're gonna we aren't gonna dress like stormtroopers we're gonna wear formal wear and try to dance we aren't gonna do jedi lightsabers yeah i love it Oh man. Yeah, there's just a plethora of of singing in the rain content on TikTok. Singing in the Rain is now streaming on HBO Max. Use it while you got it before Discovery takes complete control. HBO Max. You are looking at scenes from that film classic, Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times. Back. Section 5, more speed. Charlie Chaplin. Who else but Charlie Chaplin can make us howl with laughter or move us to tears? When he's being shoved around or even getting tough or acting like a hero, he is, above all, profoundly human. In modern times, the little man makes you laugh from the first scene to the last. With millions of moviegoers the world over, see and see again the film in which Charlie Chaplin sings for the first time. Modern Times, a truly great film. By 1936, sound had already been standard in motion pictures for nearly a decade, but Charlie Chaplin, the biggest star of the silent era, wasn't having it. So what does he go and do? He goes out and makes a goddamn silent movie. 
And the silent movie he made was a slapstick farce with the little tramp as a factory worker driven to madness by the drudgery of industrialization. Featuring Chaplin in his last performance as the little tramp, and the first and only time we get to hear that iconic character's voice. Plus, Paulette Goddard, Chaplin's wife at the time, as the gamine, and Al Ernest Garcia, cast as the control freak factory owner because of his resemblance to Henry Ford. Directed, written, produced, and starring Charlie Chaplin, who also composed the musical score, which inspired a later hit by Nat King Cole. This is Modern Times. Uh, Felina, I, I think Greg and I, again, we've, we've seen this movie a few times, being the old war horses on old movies for young stoners. We're the old stoners for young movies. Uh, but yeah, we've seen this a, a few times, but ha- have you seen this before? I don't believe I have seen this. And um, I, I, th- listen. <laughs> Okay. I like Charlie Chaplin. I think it's cool. I love the silent movie star gig. Love it. This is, we're in the modern times now. And people have (laughs) cell phones. You Uh cannot look away for a second. You're going to miss, you are going to miss something. Which <laughs> is very frustrating for somebody who listens addicted kind of lives on my phone. So watching this movie was a little bit of a struggle for me because you know, I think the science science says I, I think I either read this somewhere. I think a teacher actually told me this in like college or something. Um, but People look at their phones every like 12 minutes now. It's probably more now. Probably more. Yeah. Yeah. At least every 12 minutes. And so it's an 127, not 127 minutes, but an hour and 27 minute movie. You're going to be missing a couple of parts when you're looking at your phone. It was a little hard to watch for me. You know what the funny thing about this is to me is that you think you're not missing stuff in other movies while you're looking at your phone, but you are. You're no. missing tons of things by not watching the movie completely with your full focus. Like that's what like a silent movie would force you to to watch the whole movie, but if you're you can't pay attention to two things at once. You can't. You you're if you're splitting up your time, you're missing part of the movie. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't have a verbal cue in every film in every film so you gotta you gotta watch your movies kids well hate to be the curmudgeon here for the young <laughs> stoners but put your fucking phone down and watch the fucking movie dad stop your curmudging turn turn it off <laughs> look I, this we're we're you know the movie's about the industrial age but we're in this this cell phone age now whatever they call yeah. it it was yeah. called the information age for a while, but I think it's transcended that. It's the surveillance yeah. age, surveillance 24-7. Mm. And uh, I paid like 1100 bucks for my iPhone. You know, I just outright paid yeah. it. And there isn't a day that goes by where I don't have this fantasy of going into my garage and taking this old rusty hammer, not the nice new hammer, but the rusty ass hammer that I haven't thrown away and just smashing the shit out of it. 
Why? I I hate it. It's ruined my eyesight. I'm wearing these stupid glasses now because I I couldn't take my eyes off Twitter. And um, looking at Twitter, I'm just mad about shit all the time. I'm just mad about like, oh, this person said some terrible thing. Like, I don't even care about that person. I don't care about Jane Lynch and what she said. And, <laughs> and I didn't even watch Glee, but now I'm mad about it. Or I'm mad about something Biden did. And then two, or Biden isn't doing this. And then two weeks later, he does maybe not the best version of it, but he still does it. And I'm just like finding myself whipsawed around all these emotions by yeah. by what I'm seeing or just stupid stuff on Facebook that people are on about that are like ostensibly my friends. But I'm like, right. there's a thing where, oh, the, for movie theaters to survive, they have to like get, let people look at their phones all the time because people are jonesing no. for their phones like they're having nicotine fits. And I'm like, I go to the fucking movie theater and risk COVID at least twice a month to not look at my phone. It's right. like if I watch this shit, I watched Fletch. I saw Fletch in a theater just to stop looking at my fucking phone while I watched the movie. <laughs> so we've got way off track on Modern Times, but I understand. Yeah. I mean, I'm as old as the hills now. I was born in the fucking 60s, and I have this problem. So what do you think you missed, Felina? Oh, I don't. I, I mean, that's the thing is I have no do you idea. Feel a, do you feel like you missed... Like, did you keep looking at your phone while you watch Modern Times? I really tried not to. And it really helped that my phone was dying, too. Um, so I was <laughs> okay. not I was not looking at it. It was sitting on the charger. Um, but it was, I mean, what I saw, I liked. I had fun watching it. But another <laughs> thing is, I, I had to watch it twice. Yeah. I watched it last night, and I watched it this morning. And last night I watched it high and this morning I watched it sober and I think I got it so much more when I was, when I was sober. I think I, yeah, I really think that I Mm -hmm. like, I had, I think I had more fun watching it when I was sober. I think I had more of a like understanding of it when I was sober. And when I was high watching it last night, I was like, Oh my God, we've been here for 20 minutes and like everything has happened and I'm so tired. I feel like I've watched a full movie Uh, and it's been 20 minutes. Um, Whereas watching it this morning, I was like, oh, you know, this is awesome. I think it also might be a good wake and bake movie. So Mm. if I think it's a good like daytime movie. Less of like yes. uh, turn the lights off. Let's watch a mo- have a movie night. That does make sense because I have seen this movie a, a lot of times, but very rarely have I seen it front to end because I would always start this movie at night and I would always be asleep before it ended. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every almost every time, you you don't want to start it too late. It's over an hour and a half. Um, I think it's like an hour and 40 minutes, which is... It's an hour and 27 minutes. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Um, Well, it feels like an hour and 40 minutes because uh, it's so much going on. And and it is jam-packed. And it doesn't really follow... uh, Like the traditional three-act, you know, structure. It's just like set piece after set piece after set piece after set piece. 
I, I, I think that the set pieces are fantastic. And there are pieces in this movie that I didn't realize were from this movie because I, you know, you see them in clips and you kind of think of them as like part of his whole career, but like the scene in the department store where he's roller skating dangerously close to the edge of a part that's under construction and almost falling. This is a this is an old this is a great old movie for young stoners because it has actual cocaine in it. You know, there's a scene where where a Chaplin eats cocaine <laughs> and goes crazy and gets it all over his little Hitler mustache. And and it's hilarious. You know, he was inspired yeah. to make this movie by a visit to the to a Ford factory and a meeting with Henry Ford in the twenties. And mm-hmm. he had encountered these tales of industrial workers, and they had been like people who had you know grown up on farms, and the the farms aren't paying anymore, so they go into the factories in Chicago and New York and in you know the big cities, and they are driven mad by it like Chaplin's character here. And he makes it this funny farce, you know, where he just can't stop. Uh, mm-hmm. He can't stop uh, turning the nuts, you know, twisting the <laughs> bolts. And then like, you know, these women who have these, you know, ornate buttons, buttons. on their dresses, like there's the matronly, <laughs> the matronly lady that's walking yes. around with these kind of hexagonal buttons on her, <laughs> on her sweater. And he starts chasing her with the wrench. I'm sorry. That stuff's funny when he does the thing as Pam. <laughs> I also love the bit where a truck drives by like it's a work truck, like doing road work, and they have a red flag, you know, to keep cars away from it. And it falls, yeah. and he picks up the flag, and he starts waving it. And then there's this socialist march that fills in behind him. <laughs> and, you know, he's busted as the leader of the socialist march. Yeah. I, I, I mean... I will say this movie does a tonal shift. It gets more sentimental halfway through and right. you know, nothing equals the first half of it. No. I can't really say act cause you are right. He didn't write a script for this, the way Chaplin made movies and you should appreciate this a bit, Greg, is it was all based on what was funnier. What gag was funnier. I've always been more of a Buster Keaton, uh, fan, you know, myself, uh, I, I, there's something about Chaplin that he's like the beginning of the comedian who takes himself too seriously. I don't disagree with that, you know, the, the, some of this, this politics, but he's sort of like doing the, I'm a real artist thing, you know, and starting to make his work more important in a way that I don't think that Buster Keaton cared about. Although I would consider Buster Keaton every, every bit the artist the Chaplin is. See, I'm I'm the bigger Chaplin fan, but I'm also a sentimentalist, which I should just right. Chaplin's sentimental. I like John Ford, and he's sentimental. But yeah, you know, like that 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 sentimental side never really resonated with me. You you got to admit, Bob, like some of it, especially like the kid and those things, you know, are real are, are they're they're a bit heavy handed. Like you don't cry at the kid, Greg. You don't just sit there bawling. This dog's life. I only I only seen him cry to one movie, and that was Happy Feet. Oh man! <laughs> what? Whoa! She's zinging you, man. She's tagging you with a jab. I don't know what she's talking about. Uh, you know, you I'm, cried <laughs> during Happy Feet, and I know I did. It. No, I think In I theaters. I just had. I think my eyes were just really red and watery <laughs> for some reason. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
What if you watched Modern Times or any other silent movie on your cell phone while you're watching Modern Times? No. <laughs> mirror no. the, the no. mirror it. No way. Just sitting no. there watching it on your cell phone while so, it's on like your TV. on the camera, like looking at the yeah. camera and or, or just watching. Have it, have Mirror it, it. Have it on your Criterion app on your phone while you have it on HBO Max on your TV. Maybe even have yeah. it be like five I'm minutes just, apart. I'm gonna I'm gonna end up watching TikTok on my TV. Is what's gonna happen? Oh Jesus! It's Greg. We're sunk, man. We just we are fucked. Even, you know, we're, we're, you know, we should just close out now. We just, we're, we're fighting. The you're listening here. to the, you're listening to the final episode of <laughs> old movies for young stoners. Yeah. We just, we, we lost, you know, uh, Bob, well, Bob, listen, yeah. uh, no, actually, if you, if you wanted to, if you wanted to smash your phone, you should record it and post it to TikTok because it gets a lot of views to smash phones actually. Wow. That's a genre. It's a, I want to see the video where it's the point of view of the camera getting smashed, you know, oh. where it's like the rusty hammer is filling the screen and the screen is cracking and then going to going to, to nothing. That like would how be about great. that? How about that video? That would be a great video if you could if you could figure it out. So TikTok videos of dudes smashing their phones with a hammer for young stoners. That's what we're, <laughs> that's what we're, you know, all these old movies are made by pedophiles and fascists and abusers. <laughs> and <laughs> Modern times. I love it. You guys are like some of it. Uh, what weed would you guys smoke with it? Oh, you know, I was stuck on my Jack Herrera, so it's, it's kind of a good catch all. I think it was better. Um, with Singing in the Rain, which I do think is the better film of the two that we talked about today, but uh, you know, I'm 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 kind of buying one strain at a time these days. I, I should invest in two strains so I could try two different strains for each film. Jack Herrera, how do you spell the Herrera part? H e r e r. Okay, so so simply. Okay, it was sounding mm. a little French and a little fancy there, Greg. Uh, now a question on the weed end. I know there's like, uh, the Keef weed cola, which might be a good choice for this, which I, mm. I drank for the last episode with, uh, Mr. Freedom because it's got caffeine in it. Is there, are there weed coffee drinks? Is there like a Starbucks pre-bought weed coffee drink? Cause from what you said earlier, Felina, I think that might be the way to go with this movie first thing. Yeah. Mm. So I don't know of any weed coffee drinks, but there is a lot of like weed syrup that goes great in coffee or, um, like, uh, what's Pancakes. it called? Like hot, hot. Oh, <laughs> You could, it's like a, it's more of like a caramelly type of uh -huh. flavor, the one that we have at least. Um, and it is, it's like wonderful in like hot chocolate. That's like the best. Oh, wow. Um, and so it and would go like, well in coffee. It totally, totally would go well in coffee. Um, mm. I need to find it, but it is, it is so good. It's just like a weed, uh, they call it syrup and they have different flavors. I need to find this brand. I, I, you know, I like the old fashioned way, which is something I've done for years, which is weed and coffee together. You know, I've done that for years. When I watch Noir Alley, I enjoy a, a, a black, strong coffee and and uh, a, a 
couple bowls of weed, you know, like it, it really goes great together. Hey, everybody, this is Corey from Editorland, butting in to say that the technical term for drinking coffee and smoking weed is doing a hippie speedball. Carry on. What is this product? This is cannabis syrup, and it's a thousand milligrams for the whole bottle. Looks like cough syrup. Um, yeah, it looks like <laughs> cough syrup, but like we've used this much of it. It gets us so high. I mean, most of the wow. time it gets us so high. There's, yeah, you can see like 10 milligrams is like. And you yeah. take 10 milligrams at a time. I mean, I don't personally. I would do like 30. <laughs> I do like 30 and Yikes. it gets you like fucked up. Are you ready, Felina Franklin, for round two of the TikTok report? Woo! Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. TikTok also knows about uh, modern times. Uh, there are quite a few TikToks about modern times. Um, this video in particular from I'm all, I'm Leonstai, something like that. They say that the bit that you love, dad, the, the roller skating bit where he's like super high above it is actually the floor of that is actually painted on glass. So, yes. Um, right. It's incredible. Yeah. It's really, it's it looks cool. really, it looks real. Yeah. The, the force, per, the force perspective of that is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of comments on this video. Lots of old movies were always the most creative. Yes. Um, yes. And <laughs> Victory. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> one for the old people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Dead they people could... with this one. Yeah. yeah. They could easily do practical effects like this today and have it look better than CGI. And then yes. someone said, no, they couldn't. Camera's too high definition these days to get away with it. They did it in mm. the Batman, basically, with the LED screen backgrounds. Bro. Yeah. Bro, 90% of Mad Max's practical effects, laughing emoji, laughing emoji. It's more expensive and time consuming. Nothing to do with camera quality. Laughing emoji, laughing emoji. Oh my God. <laughs> well, he's got a point. Modern Times is available on HBO Max, Criterion Channel, and Canopy. But if you have options here, please watch it on HBO Max if you've got it, because we really need to up the numbers for classic films on that platform before Discovery replaces them, all with mail-order bride home reno shows. <laughs> oh, my God. Before it becomes HBO Men. Yeah, they just minimize the HBO. It's like <laughs> House of the Dragon and a bunch of uh, fucking renovation home buying show bullshit. Yeah, fuck that shit. So that wraps up our technological disruption episode. Next time, it's getting close to Halloween. So it's time for our classic monsters episode where we go back to the 30s. A great decade for movie horror with the classic Bride of Frankenstein from 1936 and Vampire, a movie that feels like somebody jammed a camera into your brain and filmed a nightmare. So put that in your pipe and smoke <laughs> it all right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners.